Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And there's another way. There's another way in which Joseph was special and that was in his perseverance. You see, Joseph had a special perseverance in that he didn't get discouraged. He didn't give up. I mean, you know, we, you know, we can see this in how he reported his second dream to his father. You know, after all the trouble that Joseph faced from reporting his first dream, don't you think it would have been easier to Joseph to say, I'm not going to do that again. You know, <laughs> dreams are no dreams. I keep them to myself, you know. It would have been easy for him to do that. But you know what Joseph said? Joseph knew. He says, you know, my dreams are important. My dreams are important. I got to report my dreams no matter what happens to me. And so even though his brothers hated him more, you know, after he reported his first dream, he had this special perseverance, this special go-forwardness to report the second dream. So that's why there's really just one word to describe Joseph. Special. He's special. He has a special love from his father. He has a special coat from his father. He has a special loyalty to his father. He has a special hatred (laughs) from his brothers. He has a special dream about his father and his brothers. And he has a special perseverance over the opposition of his brothers and his father, for that matter. So right away in chapter 37, we see Joseph is special. He's set apart. He's distinctive. Now, the content of his first dream, well, really, for the second dream, but the the content of his dream, it just showed how special he was. Why? Because it was only his sheaf that was standing up, and everybody else's sheaves were bowing down to his sheaf. So the first dream showed how Joseph was special, or he set apart, he was distinctive in the family. And the content of the second dream does the same thing. It shows that there's Joseph present in the second dream, And the sun and the moon and the 11 stars are bowing down to Joseph. So again, the second dream carries the same message. He's special, he's distinctive, he's set apart. So what's happening for us here as we go through this chapter? Joseph is becoming more and more and more special. He's becoming more and more and more unique. He's becoming more and more and more distinctive. He's becoming more set apart. And he stands out as one of the 12 sons of Jacob, and he rises above them as special. And when we see how special Joseph was as, as, as a member of Jacob's family, we see how special the Lord Jesus Christ is as a member of Jacob's family, the Jewish people, for the same reasons. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's special, he's distinctive, he's set apart. He's got a special love from his father, which he spoke about in Matthew 3.16, Jesus, when he was baptized, 
went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. No one else had that. No one else ever had that happen to him. He had a special coat, as we talked about, and that coat was the ability for him to do all those miracles, which he did. In John 7, 31, and many of the people believed on him and said, when Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? See, that's what he said. And then he had a special loyalty, as Joseph did, to his father, which he spoke about in John eight twenty nine, and he said, he, he that sent me is with me. The father hath not let me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And he had a special hatred from his people. He did, as we said. You know, in John 15, 25, this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, written in their law. They hated me without a cause. He had a special dream, the Lord Jesus. He had a special ability to see what others could not see. John 4, 29, the woman said, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? John 1, 48, Nathanael saith unto him, whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip calleth, called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Luke 10, 38, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So as a matter of fact, Joseph was actually hated more when he told these dreams to his brothers, and the Lord Jesus was hated more, and he was condemned to death over it when he told what they could not see in Matthew 26, where at 63 it says, Jesus held his peace. He didn't say anything. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, you tell us whether thou be Christ the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto thee, hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest ran his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you've heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He's guilty of death. They did spit in his face, buffeted him. Others smote him with the palms of their hands. Also, the Lord Jesus had a special perseverance over the opposition to him in Luke 9, 53. It says they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. He had a special set to his face because he had a special perseverance. He was going to go to Jerusalem. He had already prepared his disciples by telling them, I got to go up to Jerusalem because I'm going to be scourged and mocked and put to death on a cross. So, well, this is a special perseverance. This word, the special perseverance, is really captured for us by the word endure or endurance in Hebrews 12, 2. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. And we saw that in John 12, 27, John 12, 27, when he said, now is my soul troubled. He said, my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. That's a special perseverance to endure soul, the trouble of the soul. Mark 14, 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. 
take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. That's perseverance. That's a special perseverance. So Joseph's special, and the Lord Jesus Christ is special. The Lord Jesus Christ was special in his birth by the Holy Ghost. As it says in Luke one thirty-five. the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He was special in his life. He was sinless, as it says in Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was special in his teaching. Nobody taught like he did. As it says in Mark 1.22, they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. John 7, 46, when they came back, they wanted to arrest him. They came back. The officers answered, never man spake like this man. And Luke 4, 32, they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power, power. And he was special in his love. The Lord Jesus was special in his love. He laid down his life because of love. It says in Romans 5, 8, God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. He was special in his sufferings. That was a sacrifice, as it says in 1 Peter 3.18, Peter 3.18, Christ also has suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us unto God, to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And who can forever forget Isaiah 53.5? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes, we are healed. He was special in his person. In Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You are God. In other words, that's special. He was special in his death. Special as death, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That makes him special, very special. Joseph was special. It's a message there in that family of Jacob, the specialness of Joseph. Now, what God had done in Jacob's family, what he really did with Joseph is that, and I want you to think about this, he gave a savior to Jacob's family, and his name is Joseph. He gave a savior. A savior was given to Jacob's family, and his name was Joseph. God saw that Jacob's family was heading right down the path for a fatal starvation, a fatal famine. And Jacob's family was going to need a savior to be saved from the starvation. So what did God do? God planted in Jacob's family a savior named Joseph. Joseph was the savior of Jacob's family. So in the person of Joseph, a savior was given to Jacob's family. Now that's amazing. And you know what's really amazing about it? No one knew. And this is a chapter where, you know, we're, in the, we're in the no one knew chapter, chapter 37. What's amazing is no one in Jacob's family knew who Joseph was. 
No one in Jacob's family knew that Joseph was their savior. Nobody knew that. He just looked like the second to youngest kid. You know, he was among 12. He's only 17. How can he be the savior of Jacob's family? Joseph, he didn't look like the savior of Jacob's family. He just looked like a 17-year-old boy. He's out there feeding sheep. He's doing errands. He's an errand boy. Because at his birth, without really knowing what she said, see, Joseph's mother, she actually spoke a prophecy. She didn't know. But she spoke a prophecy in Genesis 30, verse 22. Genesis 30, 22. God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her, and opened her womb, and she conceived and bare a son, and said, God had taken away my reproach, and she called his name Joseph, and said, God, which means he shall add, Joseph, and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. See, Joseph's mother, Rachel, called his name Joseph, which means he shall add, and then she explained what she meant by calling him he shall add. She said, the Lord's gonna add to me another son. So what Rachel said about why she named Joseph really just shows how insignificant Joseph is. I mean, you know, because as soon as Joseph is born, she says, just look beyond this one, you know, the next child's coming. Look for the next one. And for this reason that Rachel named Joseph really makes Joseph's name a real insult to him. Because imagine somebody coming up to and asking Joseph, you know, what's your name? Hi, little fella. You know, what's your name? Joseph, which means he shall add. Oh, that's a nice name, little guy. So, so uh, why were you named Joseph or he shall add? Well, because my mother really wanted another son after me, so she named me like a signpost pointing to the next one. <laughs> and the guy would look at him and says, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> He'd say, sorry, you got a name like that. It was like if someone asked Joseph what his name meant, and, and he might as well have said, my name shows that I'm not important. My name shows I'm insignificant. My name shows that my brother after me, he's the important one. He's the insignificant one. You might as well look, look at him as the important one because all my name does is just point to him. See, the name of Joseph really shows how insignificant Joseph appeared because as soon as he's born, he's just overlooked to the next son that's coming. That was not nice of Rachel to do that <laughs> to Joseph with his name. You know, that was also not nice of Rachel. I mean, she only had two kids, you know. This wasn't nice. The second one, she had ben, ben, well, Benjamin. We know him as Benjamin. That wasn't, not, that wasn't nice, what Rachel did to Benjamin, because she originally called him Benoni, which means son of my sorrows. And Jacob stepped in. Whoa, we've got to change the name here. Benoni to Benjamin, son of my right hand. Uh, Jacob, where were you at the birth of Joseph? Why didn't you change his name? (laughs) Well, no one changed poor Joseph's name, and that was Rachel's signpost looking forward to the birth of his younger brother. But God, God changed the meaning of Joseph's name. God changed the meaning of Joseph's name to not just, you know, he shall add another son, but he shall add. He shall add. See, the the last name she gives, Benoni, son of my sorrows. Okay, that name's got to be changed. We can't do anything with that. But he shall add, we can do something with that. Because she didn't give the full name, he shall add another son. He just put he shall add, and God says, I can work with that. So God changed the meaning of Joseph's name to mean that God will add, and boy, did he ever. He added, through Joseph, salvation from starvation. So God did add a lot 
to Jacob's family through Joseph. Salvation and repentance, a land to live in, a land to multiply in. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ, him, him, he could be called Joseph. We can call him Joseph. Because just look at what the Lord Jesus Christ added to us. We can say he shall add. His name is, his name is Jesus. It could be also Joseph. Why? He added to us salvation from our sins. He added to us adoption into the family of God. He added to us an inheritance that doesn't fade away. He added to us resurrection from the dead, eternal life, a home in heaven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's why we see the Lord Jesus as our Joseph. He's the one who adds to us. And when we think of Joseph as the savior that was given to the family of Jacob, we see that there's another savior that was given to the family of Jacob. And where, 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 where do we get this from? Isaiah 9, 6 is telling us there was another savior added to the family of Jacob. How do you get that? Unto us. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. See all that, unto us, unto us, unto who? Isaiah's writing to the Jewish people in Isaiah 9, 6. And what he's saying is that unto us, the Jewish people, a child is born. Unto us, the Jewish people, a son is given. Unto us, the family of Jacob, a child is born. Unto us, the family of Jacob, a son is given. So what the angel said could be applied to the family of Jacob in Matthew 121. Matthew 121. And she shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Just like Joseph was a member of the family of Joseph, of Jacob, yet he was a savior given to the family of Jacob. So in Matthew 121, it just just could be reading like this. She shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his family of Jacob from their sins. I mean, what a truth to meditate on. What a truth to meditate on, that in Joseph, God gave a savior from starvation to the family of Jacob. And how it just draws us to meditate on how God later gave a savior from eternal death to the family of Jacob. God gave a savior also to the family of Jacob, to the family of man. So when you think about this, this really gives a, and you see this in the light of Jacob, Joseph and Jacob's family, then it gives meaning to the idea of gave in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this now brings to us a crystallization of why God was so pleased with Abraham in Genesis 22. Because it's a type of this great giving in Genesis 22, 12. Genesis 2, 12. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou any harm unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Right alongside, you put that verse as Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32. He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. 1 John 4.9. 1 John 4.9. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Hearing his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In Mark 12, 6, Mark 12, 6, telling that parable 
And he finally gets to the end. He said, having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, they will reverence my son. Now, what's amazing about this whole chapter 37 is how no one knew, no one knew who Joseph was. No one, not even Jacob, took Joseph's dreams seriously. No one even considered for an infinitesimal moment. Maybe he's going to be ruler over us. When Joseph told his dreams of how he was going to rule over them and how they'd all bow down to him, it was summarily dismissed as untrue, not possible. It was not even considered. Could it be? It was put out of the mind immediately as, that's a myth, that's a fairy tale. It was foolish to even give it a second thought. See, all of Jacob's family, with an almost irrational prejudice, said impossible, and they would not allow themselves to think of the possibility that it might be true. They just didn't know who he was. They didn't know who Joseph was. They just didn't even consider who he might be. They had no idea that right in the middle of their family was their savior from starvation, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the Lord Jesus. Sweet little holy child, we didn't know who you were. See, just as if Joseph and the family of Jacob, it's, that's the way it is with the Lord Jesus Christ today and the greater family of Jacob, the Jewish people. Even the possibility that he might, maybe it's the Messiah, similarly dismissed as untrue. It's not even considered that it might be true. Put out of the mind immediately. It's a myth. It's a fairy tale. It's foolish to give it a second thought. And most of Jacob's family today, with an almost irrational prejudice, say, impossible. I won't allow myself to even think that it might be true. That's what it means when it says in John 1.11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. He came unto his own, and his own would not even consider. He came unto his own, the family of Jacob. The family of Jacob would not even consider him to be the Messiah. Out of the question, as he said in Isaiah 1, 3, the ox knoweth his owner, the ass his master's crib. Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. That's what we battle in Jewish evangelism. For the most part, once a person sees, and the Jewish people, once they see the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. You know, I think I may have told you, like the lady in the motorized wheelchair getting into the elevator at the building where my cardiologist was, and, and I had gotten off the elevator, and, and she was getting on the elevator, and I gave her my testimony book, and my testimony book says, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cover, which some of the summer blitzers say, could we just take that off? <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> and so... And she sees the name, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cover, and she says, oh, no, and she gives it back to me. She's in the elevator. I'm outside the elevator, and the door's starting to shut. I put my hand to make the door go, but I said, look, the door came open one more time. Are you sure? Because soon the door's going to close, and this opportunity to consider the Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah will be closed, and she said, no, door closed. Now, if someone in the family, I'm talking about Jacob's family, if someone in Jacob's family said, I don't know for sure. I mean, I just don't know for sure. But I don't know, maybe we all will bow down to Joseph. (music) 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page history of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.